welcome to Shameless, the celebrity and pop culture podcast for smart people who love dumb stuff. You're joined as always by me, Michelle Andrews, and my co-host, Zara McDonald. Hello. Hello. And producer Annabelle Lee, welcome as well. Thank you. How new fringe. <laughs> <laughs> I cut a lockdown fringe. Oh my God, you did. <laughs> I didn't realise. I didn't notice at all. <laughs> Coming up on today's show, former Aussie bachelorette Ali Miles is slammed for promoting a diet where you can only eat meat. Old mate Jeff Bezos popped on a cowboy hat and left the planet. A script has been leaked from the set of the new Sex and the City spin-off. And finally, what the hell was Channel 7 and Big Brother thinking when it came to casting well-known bigot and troll Katie Hopkins? But first, Zara... Happy birthday for oh, Tuesday. How was your week? Yeah, it was fine. I mean, we're actually back in lockdown, uh, which feels like the most <laughs> overused line on this podcast. All the listeners are like, yes, you are sad, sad Melbournians and you're constantly in lockdown. I love that last week on the podcast we got on here, we're like, poor Sydney. Oh, Sydney, we know what it's like. We're thinking of you. And literally a day after that podcast released, it was like, <laughs> it happened very quickly. So a bit of whiplash. Um, another birthday in lockdown. Shout out to my lockdown birthday people. <laughs> they would be all around this time of year because these are the people that have had it twice. Poor July babies. I should have been born a Leo because I do like my birthday quite a lot. So I have to. <laughs> Is that a Leo trait? Yeah. Are you into star signs massively now? Not hugely. I just know that to be true. <laughs> I feel like that's a TikTok video thing. All of those like TikTok videos where they go through the star signs and list your main characteristics. I, I thought that is like the one thing people know about star signs and that is that Leo love themselves and their birthdays. The only (laughs) about loving themselves for any Leos who want to rile themselves up right now. The only thing I know about cancers, which you are one of, is that you love to cry, which is so accurate for you. Yeah. I thought it was um, hard shell, soft inside. (laughs) That's what I am, a Virgo. Oh, is that you? I think all of the traits kind of intertwine. That's why they get us. I love that none of us know shit and we're all just jumping into it. Maybe. I know. The people who are actually into astrology would be like, crying right now. Anyway, <laughs> Leos do love birthdays. I should have been born a Leo. So you can imagine the tragedy of two birthdays cancelled. But that's all right. It's totally fine. Otherwise, I literally have nothing to report as usual. Well, how did you celebrate? Did you get dinner? Um, Yeah, got a take-home dinner pack. You know, those ones that you can get from restaurants. Honestly, I didn't do much. I don't really like cake that much. So we didn't have a birthday cake. Oh, well, you like Andy Allen from MasterChef. Do you? Oh, you not if you watched that season. Why would I know that Andy Allen from because MasterChef? Because he kept saying, I don't really like cake that much. And I was watching like, oh, yeah, right. Everyone no, loves cake. No, not everyone loves cake, <laughs> Annabelle. Is it sounding to anyone else like we've already all lost the plot and it's been one week of we lockdown? totally have. I reckon there's a huge contingent of people out there who don't like cake that much, particularly, dare I say, and I'm so sorry for using this word on microphone, cakes that aren't moist. Yeah, agree. Cakes are overrated. I would far prefer an ice cream cake because I love ice cream. I would prefer like a, a gooey brownie or like or a, a pudding. cookie. I reckon the run-of-the-mill cakes are completely overrated. A good moist cake is excellent. (laughs) (laughs) Sarah, what's your recommendation for the week? My recommendation this week, so uh, it's lockdown, so I'm back watching television, as is customary. I started watching, this is also going to be another embarrassing recommendation because I do think half of the world has watched this television show. I started watching Line of Duty. What is that? I love that show. Have you watched it? Yes. So my younger brother has been telling me, I actually also feel like this is the theme of my recommendations. (laughs) My younger brother, Liam, has been telling me to watch this show for probably over a year, more than that. And I've always thought that this show is just not for me. It's a crime drama. Oh, it's God. British though, which I do feel like, big tick. Is we, this Olivia Coleman again? No, it's not Olivia oh, Coleman. Okay. I actually didn't really know anyone in the show. Yeah, it's a little bit gory, which I'm not great with, but it grips you. And I found myself in a huge TV rut before watching this. I was just having a run of bad TV shows, so I was glad to have found it. Love that. Yeah. Very serious recommendation. And I won't be giving it a try, but I hope the listeners do. How was your week? My week was okay. I've got to come clean on something, Zara McDonald. Ooh. I tried so, so hard to keep up with tradition this year. So last year, <laughs> we got your birthday message from your old celebrity crush. I don't think the crush is ongoing. You're I don't, very no, happily no. in a relationship. He was now. never my crush. Everybody <laughs> just put that on me. I got you a message from comedian and television presenter Tommy Little. We played it on the podcast, we put it on our social media channels. It was a delightful moment for Shameless and the Shameless community. This year, I thought, right, the obvious birthday message senders would be Leighton and <laughs> Obviously. Obviously. I tried so hard. I just need you to know, it didn't come off, but I really, really tried. I sent DMs, obviously. I sent 
emails to publicity managers. I called a manager and spoke to him on the phone I trying to get this to I would love to know how you explained that. <laughs> I also organised like a team of shameless undercover operatives that I put out a story. By the way, you've been hidden from my Instagram stories for the last like two or three days. Oh, I, did you know this? I did know this. <laughs> I tried. Annabelle was helping me. So many shameless listeners were like, I go to the same gym as Leighton or like <laughs> I was family friends with them as kids. Like so many shameless listeners were trying to help us on this. So thank you. If you're a shameless listener who was an undercover spy trying to get us in contact with Leighton and Beck, thank you. There is no birthday message That's for you. Okay. But I do want to put a call out. If you are a celebrity listening to this. And you would ever want to do a birthday shout out for either of us, let us know now so it's easy coming into birthday season. And it can be belated. If you send yeah. a belated birthday message, DM me, send me a video. More than happy. I'm just trying to get anything at this point. D grade, B grade, A grade celebrities, whatever you are. However you define yourself. No, I appreciate the thought. And look, I think it's humbling. It's humbling. We've been doing this podcast for three and a half years. It would be easy to get a big head. But it's, the truth of the matter is there are just some people we can't get on the show. To be blunt, it's... It's very easy to get a very small head in this job as well sometimes. Yeah, all kinds of heads, I guess. Anyway. My recommendation for yeah, the week. Let's move it along. A very classic episode where you have gone serious highbrow recommendation and I'm coming right in with the lowbrow shit stuff. I don't even know if I really recommend this, but I'm going to give it a go because Mitch and I have somehow sat through five episodes of Lux Listings Sydney. It is on Amazon Prime. Have either of you heard of it or watched it? I have seen this everywhere. Okay. But I haven't seen it, I should say. So what it is, is it's basically an Australian version of Selling Sunset, which is another one of my favourite reality shows where it's all about bougie, fuck off real estate. So basically it's a team of real estate agents, competing real estate agents and like very, very wealthy real estate buyers and buyers agents who take you through and compete for the best properties in Sydney. I've got to say, it is some truly sugary, distracting television if you are stuck in lockdown and feeling like shit. Like I was watching this being like, you know what, maybe one day I will buy a $57 million <laughs> waterfront property. What podcast going on for you? But you guys have to watch it. The one thing I will say is I'm worried about this recommendation because I know that some shameless listeners will tune into the first episode Hear some interesting dialogue, particularly right. pertaining to women, and think that I endorse every message in this show. I want it on the record. I do not endorse every message on this show. What I'm telling you is it will distract you from the mess that is your life in lockdown. Yeah, it's a funny recommendation while people are in lockdown <laughs> because if people are in like tiny apartments and they see how the other <laughs> half live, it's um, an interesting experience. I watched Selling Sunset, I'm pretty sure, last time I was in lockdown and I did find that quite a distraction. I also would be more intrigued about houses closer to home. And my God, let me tell you, if the houses on Selling Sunset were good, I actually think the ones in Sydney are even better. You know how everyone always talks about fucked up Sydney real estate? And like, yes, across the board, house prices in Sydney are crazy. This is the first time that I truly appreciated that Sydney is the more beautiful city than Melbourne. No. No, it, it, no, it is. I don't actually think you can watch this and be like, Melbourne's better. I had an identity crisis watching nah. this being like, me and my grungy soul have always thought that we're just the more artsy, like edgy sister. We're not. We're just the uglier sister. <laughs> oh my God. I feel personally attacked by this as all of us are in lockdown too. Let's get straight into the show, shall we? Our first segment, we are starting with Ellie Miles. She made headlines this week, Michelle, because she was promoting a meat only diet, a carnivore-like diet and called some fruit and vegetables toxic. Yeah. Interesting timing for this one because we actually have the new season of Bachelor starting oh, yes. tonight. We're recording this on Wednesday. It's launching on Wednesday night. By the time this episode airs, everyone will be talking about the premiere. But interesting that Ali Miles is making huge headlines in a week where everyone's talking Bachelor anyway. Yeah, 100%. I found this story really interesting because it naturally made headlines because it's got all the ingredients of a story that's going to make headlines, yes. particularly on publications like Pedestrian, who keep a pretty close eye now on influencer culture. You've got an influencer, a former reality star, and a diet being plugged that isn't being plugged by an expert, right? Absolutely. So we'll start with the carnivore diet and then we'll speak to Ellie Miles specifically. If you're wondering what the hell is the carnivore diet, it is basically a vegan's or an environmentalist's worst nightmare. So proponents of the carnivore diet eat almost entirely meat and animal products, excluding all other food groups. So I am talking meat for breakfast, meat for lunch, meat for dinner, 
often thrown in with a lot of butter, a lot of milk, a lot of dairy products in general. Right. It's an interesting one, isn't it? Like steak for breakfast seems like quite a stretch for me. It sounds just, I'm sorry, I don't like breakfast at the best of times. I often find myself full until like mid-morning. The thought of eating red meat or chicken for breakfast, I'm sorry to be dramatic, it makes me want to die. (laughs) Okay, it doesn't quite make you want to die. It's not my preferred choice. Anyway, dietitians do critique the diet because of its obvious shortcomings. Like, you know, the the average... Shortcomings? What? Well, the average dietitian is going to say eat a balanced diet, right? And the fact that you are kind of lacking numerous nutrients like fibre and the fact it's obviously loaded with salt and fat. All of that said, uh, there are a few key celebrities who do love it. Joe Rogan (laughs) is very famously a big proponent of this diet. Joe Rogan, my favourite dietitian. <laughs> yeah, and Jordan Peterson too, right? Yeah, yeah, Jordan Peterson. Jordan Peterson actually put Joe Rogan on this diet. If you're not familiar with Jordan Peterson, very, very famous psychologist turned social thinker. He is a vocal supporter of the carnivore diet because his daughter, Michaela, supposedly found a cure for a number of her health ailments after eating just meat and only meat. Right. And so that brings us straight to Ellie, right? She was, as we said, last year's co-bachelorette with her sister, Becky. She has over 200,000 Instagram followers, which I think matters in the context of this Mm. conversation. Mm. She also loves the carnivore diet. And what she did this week is she basically posted a question box on her Instagram story and said that she would be answering her followers' questions about the diet. And she added this line, P.S. Everyone asks whether I can eat any veg at all. And while I keep it to a minimum, if I did, below as an example of what that might look like. This is where she ran into trouble, I think. She posted a table below that divided vegetables and plant-based products into two categories. On one side, we had, and I'm putting this in inverted commas, the least toxic plant-based products. And on another side, we had the most toxic plant-based products. Yeah. And I think this is the thing that I probably had the biggest issue with, because I think when it comes to conversations about food online, particularly on Instagram, one thing that really, really troubles me is the labeling of foods toxic or whatever Mm. it might be. And I think there's a lot of shame around food generally, particularly for young women. So to be branding food as toxic, non-toxic, confusing people about what's healthy, what's not when you're not an expert, I find pretty thoughtless. Yeah, I mean, it's thoughtless verging on hilarious for me because like seeing leafy greens listed under most toxic It's kind of just laughable to me. I'm like, come on, like it's fucking lettuce. How are we talking toxicity (laughs) here? We also had like avocados and cucumbers are supposedly least toxic, whereas broccoli and Brussels sprouts are toxic and then berries not toxic. Right. I do eat a lot of broccoli, so I'm a bit <laughs> I think what, what was interesting is following the backlash, Ellie did delete the story and so far she hasn't produced that IGTV that she promised. She also did release a statement and she said, I was devastated to see that my recent Instagram story was misinterpreted as me labelling vegetables toxic slash promoting the carnivore diet style. I would never advise or try to influence people to try any kind of diet style. I am not an expert and I do not pretend to be. My only intention was to document my experience over eight weeks with my audience that showed curiosity and interest. I am so deeply sorry that that has been perceived in any other way. How do we feel about that? How do we feel about that? Well, first of all, and I mean, I I don't want to nitpick at Ali. I think she's one person, but I do have to kind of look at this apology and try to make sense of it. I think the first thing that I'll say is I do think it's a slight dodging of responsibility to say the story was misinterpreted as me labelling vegetables as toxic. When in reality, that's precisely what the story did. It literally Mm. labelled certain vegetables as toxic. So that's not the public's reaction. That is just what happened in the post. So I think more accountability had to be taken there. I also think on top of that, the claim of I'm not trying to influence people to try any kind of diet style falls flat for me when she literally said, I'm going to answer your questions, send me your questions about the carnivore diet. I think doing that and kind of crowdsourcing questions from your community infers also that you are a person of authority on the diet and that you are coming from a certain level of expertise to educate people. And I think that in and of itself also goes against the I am not an expert and I'm not trying to be common. Yeah, I agree with that. And I actually think we'd be having a different conversation here today, perhaps no conversation here at all, if it was just a photo of I'm trying this diet for eight weeks. Yes. End of story. Yes, completely agree. All of that said... 
for some reason, I do not have the same anger response that a lot of people have had when it comes to this original post. So I'm trying to work through my own feelings (laughs) on this. Like I'm trying to make sense of why I'm not feeling anger or frustration. And I think that's because when I first saw the Instagram story from Ellie Miles, my overriding strongest thought was this is so pseudoscientific that it is bordering on absurd rather than this is so dangerous. It's going to make young people or young women hate their bodies and hate food. Like I more thought this is silly. And so I think I've put this in the silly basket rather than the dangerous basket. And I really want to poll our listeners on this when it comes to your Safe Friday. Like where does this sit for you on the continuum of silly to dangerous? Because I'm feeling a little more amused and confused than concerned. I think I'm in the same camp as you. I mean, it's a bit discombobulating to read about a diet like this one when we are so used to food, particularly calorie-dense foods, being discussed with quite a lot of shame Mm. online. Like I think as a general rule though, we are surely at a point now where influencers just shouldn't be talking about diets and nutrition, like especially when there's no qualification involved. It It feels too complicated. It feels too murky. It feels a bit too dangerous for me, whatever the diet is. Like there are a lot of people in this world vulnerable to unscientific messaging about food and influencers probably should be self-aware about that. Yeah and I also think there's room here for a conversation or at least a question to linger in people's minds. How much weight do we give to an individual's sense of agency? Like we do hear about influencers sleep routines, we hear about exercise routines, their skincare regimens. I do feel like when it comes to their diets it's a different level though. Like where is the line between telling your followers about your lifestyle because you're sharing and you want to connect and you want to be honest? And then where does that stop being sharing and connecting and start being health advice and start being prescriptive and give your followers the impression that if they too only eat meat for breakfast, lunch and dinner, they will boost their overall well-being? Well, I think this conversation for those reasons is much bigger than just Ellie. Like this Mm. is all over Instagram. And I think this might be an unpopular opinion because I do know some people love them. But I am actually of the belief that days on a plate Mm. should be banned. Like here's the complicated thing though. Like I love food more than probably anything (laughs) in the world. I'm so sorry to my parents, my partner. I share a lot of food as well that we cook at home. However, I do feel like there's a bit of a difference between saying, hey, yum meal here, Mm. than being like, hey, here is the entire structure and contents of my diet. Like the latter feels far more triggering. Yeah. I also think it needs to be a rule of if your food content is intersecting with health content and you don't have a relevant health qualification, Banned, blacklisted, (laughs) in the bin. If your food content is intersecting with happiness, enjoyment content, that's fine. It's fine to say this meal was delicious, I feel content, I feel full and happy compared with this food made me healthier and it will make you healthier too. Yeah, and some people might try to get out of that with the technicality of being like, but this diet makes me happier. And Steak it's for like, breakfast makes me stoked. <laughs> I think if we are using words like toxic to describe food, yes. we know we're not talking about happiness. We're talking about restriction and that's exactly where the line is. Yeah, and if you're an influencer with power, eat whatever you want to eat, but think twice before you feel the need to tell the world about it. Diets are personal. The way we all eat is personal. Does this need to be a public message or can it just be a private lifestyle that you want to subscribe to? Coming up after the break, Britney Spears launches at her sister in Instagram posts. The new Sex and the City script is leaked to the tabloids and what to make of the big brother Katie Hopkins fiasco. But first, a word from today's sponsor. And now it is time for the quick and dirty. As always, we bring you the top five stories from the rough and tumble of the celebrity and pop culture news cycle. Michelle Lockdown Andrews, what have you got for me? My first story, Britney Spears uses the free Britney hashtag in post-hearing Instagram. Thanks, fans, for support. That is from Variety magazine. A lot has been happening in the free Britney universe this week, Zara. She can officially, for the first time since her conservatorship began 13 years ago, hire her own legal representation, which is 
huge. Yeah, incredible news. And it did seem like her new lawyer has come out publicly anyway and said that he will absolutely fight to get this conservatorship overturned. And I think in the meantime, get her dad removed as conservator. Yeah. Fun fact, that lawyer is Matthew Rosengart. He is a former federal prosecutor. He has represented other stars like Sean Penn and Keanu Reeves. There you go. (laughs) So he's clearly like well-versed in the celebrity universe, which is good to see. Brittany did announce this news on her own Instagram. Instagram page. It was a video of her riding a horse and doing cartwheels along the grass. She captioned it, coming along folks, coming along. New with real representation today. I feel gratitude and blessed. Thank you to my fans who are supporting me. You have no idea what it means to be supported by such awesome fans. God bless you all. Hashtag free Britney. Now that is the first time Britney has ever used the hashtag that kicked off the movement behind freeing her from this conservatorship, which I think is massive as well. Yeah, huge. And it very much felt like up until now, other people were controlling her socials. Like I think that was a pretty widely held belief, right? That Britney Spears didn't have access to her own social media. Yeah. Interestingly, the company that runs Britney's social media, as in like the company that kind of schedules Instagram posts, has rejected that says that Britney has always had final approval on what Instagram posts get published. However, they did concede that a social media team has been working with her. So it's not quite clear if captions were edited, if certain posts were manipulated to look a certain way. What I will say is that there has been a huge deviation. Like since this movement has exploded, since the court case has been making headlines over the last month, Britney is speaking on social media in a way that we haven't seen of her. She's definitely speaking more candidly about the restrictions that she's living under and she hasn't done that in the past. So I do raise an eyebrow at people in her team or people in her orbit saying she's always had control because if that's true, the tune has certainly changed almost out of nowhere. Yeah, I imagine her making those statements at court and hearing and feeling the reception might make her feel a little bit more confident to be really, really honest. Mm -hmm. I mean, one of the things that she's being spectacularly candid about is her family. I mean, she's been making what people are thinking are pretty thinly veiled posts about those in her direct orbit lately. Many fans are convinced she's speaking about her little sister, Jamie Lynn Spears, as well. Yeah. She wrote, how dare you make it public that now you care? Did you put your hand out when I was drowning? Again, no. So if you're reading this and you know who you are and you actually have the nerve to say anything about my situation just to save face for yourself publicly. Yeah, it's rumoured that that caption was in response to what Jamie Lynn Lynn Spears said on her Instagram stories last month. So Jamie Lynn Spears, Britney's little sister, has been incredibly quiet about the conservatorship for many, many years. She did get backlash for that silence and in response to the public backlash explained on her Instagram stories, maybe I didn't support Britney the way the public would like me to with a hashtag on a public platform, but I can assure you that I've supported my sister long before there was a hashtag and I'll support her long after. Now, clearly that sentiment has been rejected by Brittany, who says the opposite is true. Yeah, so she doubled down on her earlier remarks on Sunday, writing... I quit. I don't like that my sister showed up at an awards show and performed my songs to remixes. My so-called support system hurt me deeply. This conservatorship killed my dreams. So all I have is hope and hope is the only thing in this world that is very hard to kill, yet people still try. Lots of fans are actually calling for the Spears family, so Britney's parents and her sister, to go to jail over this. Britney's sister is actually a beneficiary in some way in the conservatorship. She was added in 2018 as a trustee. So it'll be very, very interesting to see how this plays out. And I would just love to be a fly on the wall and know what the hell has been going on in this family because it seems dysfunctional with like a capital D. Yeah, (laughs) it feels a bit like an understatement. (laughs) My second story, Jeff Bezos finally left Earth. That is from the cut. So in case you missed it this week, Jeff Bezos went to space. If you don't know who Jeff Bezos is, let me quickly remind you. What a sweet, sweet life if you don't know who this is. (laughs) Jeff Bezos is that big fuck off billionaire who is the founder and executive chairman of Amazon. He is otherwise known for creating such poor working conditions that last year Amnesty International supported hundreds of Amazon employees in protesting and striking from their jobs, despite their boss being worth $205 billion with that wealth only (laughs) ballooning through the pandemic. In an Instagram post in June, 
Bezos announced that he would be on board the first human space flight conducted by his rocket company, Blue Origin. So he does own his own rocket company, but cannot pay his delivery driver's health insurance in the middle of a pandemic. (laughs) Zara goes bang. He wrote... Ever since I was five years old, I've dreamed of travelling to space. To see the Earth from space, it changes you. It changes your relationship with this planet, with humanity. It's one Earth. Oh Over to you. <laughs> it changes your relationship with humanity. I mean, it sounds all very profound, but then you realise that he was literally only in space. Slash, he was only in the air at all for 11 minutes. That statement makes it sound like he's going to be in space for like 11 years or 11 months. Not fucking... At the length of an ad break. Yeah, this is the thing, right? I woke up and saw, oh, okay, Jeff Bezos finally went to space. Wonder when he'll get home. <laughs> and then everyone's like, no, he's already home. And I was like, how long was this goddamn trip? It was, as you say, 11 minutes. Apparently only three of those minutes were actually in space. So they only experienced three minutes of weightlessness before returning home. He only underwent about 14 hours of basic training when most astronauts (laughs) go through two years. And it should be noted too that the rocket ship was particularly phallic looking. (laughs) I mean, I don't mean to rain on Jeff's parade. Happy for him. He got to space, whatever. But like... When you tell the world you're going to space, it's very underwhelming that, like, you didn't literally build a house on the moon and move in for a little bit. I was literally picturing him living in space for a while. To hear it's 11 minutes is, like, the biggest letdown, the biggest wet blanket ever. It's so fucking dumb. Like, three minutes of weightlessness. I'll just turn the lights off in my bedroom and I'm basically in space too. Fucking go on one of those gravity floats, Jeff. They cost, like, $200, not hundreds of millions. My favourite detail was before he went up to space for those delightful three minutes, He was doing all this press with like a big cowboy hat on and I was like, wow, he really does think he's like this massive dick-swinging billionaire who's just impressing everyone and able to pull off hats, which he absolutely cannot pull off. In case you wanted to know as well, he actually was beaten by (laughs) Richard Branson and actually getting to space by a week. So there was this incredible (laughs) line from the cuts piece. While the July 20 space flight was originally supposed to make Bezos the first of the billionaire boys with space projects to travel aboard his own rocket, Richard Branson wound up winning this celestial pissing contest by more than a week. <laughs> billionaire boys and their big rockets. I, mean, I would say, I hate the world, let me get off, but they're not taking me to space. <laughs> One of my favourite quotes from that cut piece was, anyway, Bezos is already back. Looks like space didn't want to keep him. I'm disappointed, but I understand why. <laughs> I have nothing else. My third story. Jennifer Lopez and Ben Affleck were seen mansion hunting together in Los Angeles. That is from Elle magazine. I mean, welcome back to shameless Jen and Ben. No one can stop us. So, yes, Jennifer Lopez and Ben Affleck were photographed house hunting on Thursday in Los Angeles. I should say, before we clickbait you further, it's J-Lo buying a house there. They're not moving in together, so says a source. So J-Lo was looking at three mansions in the Holmby Hills area. Affleck was looking with her, according to TMZ, and there was this really stupid line in the Elle magazine piece that was referring to TMZ breaking the story, and they said, the outlet ran pics and noted that Benefer was seen kissing in their car during the real estate trip. I care about that. Why is that a dumb line? What, because they were kissing in a car? I care. I care every time these two get close to each other's faces. (laughs) I get giddy. Annabelle, back me up. Uh, I care too. (laughs) A smooch is cute. Oh, my God. Not when we call it a smooch, though. (laughs) Just a mac on. So it should be noted that Jen has been living in Miami. Ben has been living in LA. They've been separated by distance. But love, guys, love stops at nothing. So, yes, they'll be living closer together. We know that one of the pads that they toured was worth $65 million. It was 31,000 square feet, had eight bedrooms and 12 bathrooms. (laughs) I need to pause on this because this is something that has been brought up in Lux Listing Sydney as well. Welcome back to the show, Lux Listings. If you have eight bedrooms, why do you need 12 bathrooms? Does everyone staying in the house need a separate bathroom? It always baffles me when these massive fuck-off mansions have more bathrooms, four more bathrooms than bedrooms. You know what, actually, the more I think about it, if you've got that much money and you've got couples staying together, you shan't let them share a bathroom together. You just simply shan't. What do you mean? 
mean? No, let the let the people have their own bathroom. But these bathrooms would all have like double showers, double basins anyway. It just sounds ridiculous to me. Like give me four pools and four less bathrooms. Four no, see that's stupid. You're not swimming in all of the pools. Don't I judge do, me, I can swim wherever I want. <laughs> I do want to go back to the long distance relationship thing. I mean, does long distance actually count as long distance when you probably own your own plane like surely it's like semi or short distance yeah I mean it's probably like a average ride of a car trip for the normal couple right like you just hop in your jet and you get over to LA from Miami what's what's the plane distance from LA to Miami I actually mapped this yesterday to work out where the fuck (laughs) Miami was I mean I live with my partner I still probably reckon they would like (laughs) have a shorter distance relationship than we do no 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 sorry the flight distance from Los Angeles to Miami is four hours and 56 minutes I think this counts as long distance no but it's not long distance when you have a lot of money is my point. Anyway. (laughs) They can't time travel, Zara, or like teleport themselves. You don't know that. (laughs) She was also, and I say she, Jayla was also seen scoping out schools in LA last month. So I don't know, watch this space. Watch this space unless you're bored of this story, which we know that 30% (laughs) of you are, but we will kick on. My fourth story, frightened Blake Lively calls out paparazzi who stalked her children. That is from Seven News. So last week, the Daily Mail published photos of Blake Lively as she was pushing her daughter. So she has James, who is six, Inez, who is four, and Betty, who is one. And as we mentioned last week when we were talking about Gigi Hadid, Blake Lively and Ryan Reynolds have been very public about the fact that they don't want their daughters in the public eye. They don't want them to be papped. But the Daily Mail did run photos with their daughter's faces on them. Now, what was interesting was the Daily Mail Australia actually posted these photos on Instagram. And there was a photo of Blake pushing her three daughters. And then next to that sort of superimposed on top of it was a photo of Blake looking at the camera smiling. So it looked like she was supporting the images. It almost looked like she was waving to the paparazzo as if he was a close family friend. Yes, exactly. And so Blake Lively commented on the Daily Mail Australia's photo, Mish. She sure did. She commented, you edit together the these images to look like I'm happily waving, but that is deceitful. The real story is my children were being stalked by a man all day, jumping out and then hiding. A stranger on the street got into words with him because it was so upsetting for her to see. When I tried to calmly approach the photographer you hired to take these pictures in order to speak to him, he would run away and jump out again at the next block. Do you do background checks on the photographers you pay to stalk children? Where is your morality here? I would like to know. Or do you simply not care about the safety of children? Like so bang on. She also went on to say that they were only able to get photos of her smiling and waving because she did bargain with other photographers there and said to those photographers who would speak to her and have a conversation with her and not run away, that they could take photos of her and she would be happy out of sight of her children. So Mm. she would be kind of like using herself as sacrifice, I guess. She's jumping across the kids and saving them from the photographers. Exactly. She also in the comment asked the publication to delete the photos. What's really interesting about this is the Daily Mail Australia has deleted their Instagram post, but the article is still live. Like the paparazzi photos are still up. Yeah. I'd love to know if they deleted it or if so many people reported it on Instagram that actually it got true. taken down. I actually think the latter is more likely because we know the Daily Mail rarely bends to public pressure. Yeah. But there would have been a bit of public pressure. Like for the Daily Mail Australia, it's pretty fucking embarrassing when you've got Blake Lively commenting, telling you that you have no morality. Mish, you posted both the photos, obviously blurring out the kids' faces and Blake Lively's comment on Instagram. And I mean, people went pretty wild for it. And we had quite a few comments from people who are stalked from paparazzi themselves weighing in. Yeah, I think it was one of our most engaged with posts that we've ever put on Shameless. But one of the comments that really stood out to me was actually from Zoe Foster Blake. If you're an international listener, you may have heard our interview with Zoe Foster Blake on the podcast, or you may recognize the name because we've discussed Zoe a lot in the past. She is a very, very famous entrepreneur author of like 10 books. I think like 20. (laughs) Author of like, yeah, 10 to 20 books. She is incredibly successful, as is her comedian husband, who we have also interviewed on the podcast, Hamish Blake. She commented on our post, Paps should be called what they are. Men hiding in the bushes near beaches and playgrounds to take photos of children. Would that be okay if there was no camera? Legal? Acceptable? Appropriate? Asking for a friend. That is so true. Like, I cannot imagine walking along the beach or at a park and having a random man 
take photos of not only me, but my imaginary kids. Yeah. Podcast host and former reality star Abby Chatfield also jumped in. She said if paparazzi weren't paparazzi, they would be stalkers, but because it's their job, no one cares. Mm. I think both of those lines are really, really bang on. And I couldn't imagine it either. It would be, it would be really, really traumatizing for little children. Yeah. My fifth story. What can we learn from the leaked Sex in the City script? That is from The Cut. I am so excited about this story because as listeners will know, I have watched Sex and the City through multiple times. I watched it through over our podcast break. I want to put my hand up and say it does not age the best. But for me, it <laughs> I is I do nostalgic. feel like whenever we say anything, as we remember when we said years ago, take plus or minus 10% with everything we say. Whenever we recommend something, <laughs> we are not endorsing every line of dialogue <laughs> in that piece of content. It makes me feel warm and comfy because I watched it as a teenager slash young adult and therefore I love re-watching it now. Everyone also knows I fucking love the Sentimental in the City podcast, which I will re-recommend as well. Anyway, if you have missed the memo, the like 1,000th Sex in the City reboot is on its way. It's called And Just Like That. It is coming at the end of 2021. It will be a 10-part television series and we have got the first tidbits about what is happening in the world of Carrie Bradshaw. So Carrie Bradshaw has a podcast and I want to know if you feel personally attacked by that fact, <laughs> like the basicness of that fact. I felt like weirdly exposed or like weirdly naked when I found out that Carrie Bradshaw has a podcast because Carrie's not the most likable person on the planet. Like a lot of people regard her as one of the biggest narcissists in the history of like TV dramas. And the fact she has a podcast, I was like, Carrie, I, I love you for what you are, but stick to columns, please. No, you just want to fire out of your own orbit. <laughs> We've also known forever that Kim Cattrall isn't coming back. It feels like the empty seat at the cafe will be filled by Stanford. Yes. So Stanford is Carrie Bradshaw's gay best friend. He, it seems, will be filling that fourth seat. They're often seen at the cafe talking through the dramas of life and Sam is now going to be Stanford. Now, this script was leaked. There was a photograph of a script leaked to page six. It is one oddly long script page. We can try and make something out of this. It's a little bit confusing still, but there are theories from what I'm about to read out that Big and Carrie are headed for divorce and that Carrie is going through like a messy negotiation process with her ex-husband for money. Well, I think kind of that had to be the case, right? Like we're not coming back to a Sex in the City reboot and Carrie and Big are still together. <laughs> so can I read out one sentence from the script that gives the impression to people that there is a divorce on the horizon? Go for it. All right. So this is Carrie. I was doing well. Wasn't I doing well before this? I mean, I was doing the podcast. I was washing my hair. Yes, I wasn't eating or sleeping, but at least I felt good about my marriage. Now I'm just one of the wives he was taking care of. Yes. Weird. So weird. Very weird. I also do have a bone to pick with you before we properly move on. You told me to start Sex in the City at season two. Yeah, I regret that. No, well, really I think that's fine. I started Sex in the City at season two. I then sent on our Instagram, yeah, I started watching Sex in the City at season two. And we had like 10 replies being like, why the fuck are you doing that? <laughs> then I see you reply to them being like, yeah, what the fuck? She's so weird. <laughs> Behind my back. <laughs> I told you that on air, though, so people know that. I was joking. You were just but replying like, to people being like, yeah, so kooky. Like, what a weird decision. Let's bitch about it. Yeah. <laughs> when I rewatched it, I was like, why did I tell Zara to skip all of this? Everything is set up in season one. When you get to season two, you're just like, who is big and why is no, he like? No, I understood it. Okay, well, yeah. there you go. I, I served you well. How far did you get? How many um, episodes do you watch? I've watched almost all of season two. I probably oh. I would watch the reboot, though, to be honest. You have had so much time. I could not be more disappointed. Watch the whole thing. Yeah, I can't. <laughs> Is that all you've got for me? That's all I've got. Thank you, next bitch. I imagine you saw the headlines. British far-right columnist and media personality Katie Hopkins was flown into Australia from the UK, yes, at a time when we have so many of our own citizens locked out of the country, for Celebrity Big Brother. Backlash was swift, not least because Hopkins has a history of denigrating every minority almost ever, but also because she publicly bragged about flouting quarantine rules. It took a matter of days for her visa to be cancelled and for her to be deported back home. So what in the world is going on? Why is Hopkins so damn controversial? And what does Big Brother's bringing her here say about Channel 7's blatant attempt to platform someone like her? Mish, let's start with Hopkins, shall we, and give a bit of context. Let's introduce 
Katie Hopkins. So Katie Hopkins first found fame as a contestant on the British version of The Apprentice UK before she forged a media career. She became something of like a small scale celebrity on The Apprentice because she was renowned for making really withering comments about fellow contestants, right? Like at the time, yes, a lot of what she was saying was brutal and bitchy, but in a way that makes you a reality TV icon sort of in that it's seen as banter and wittiness. So the very first way we were introduced to her was kind of like this rogue woman who was as entertaining as she was controversial, who had put on her CV for the show that she was a professional husband stealer. Yes. And so after she finished on The Apprentice, she was given columns in places like the Daily Mail. So you can imagine the kinds of people that she was appealing to. In 2010, she was actually giving interviews to the Daily Mail about the three marriages she claimed she ended by having affairs with married men, which is Mm. all just to say this is the least problematic stuff she's ever said, but also that she's been a professional troll for like more than a decade. Yeah. In that article with the Daily Mail, there were pap shots of her having sex with a married man in a field. And I just kind of raised an eyebrow at that being like, this woman was not very famous in 2010. Could this have been a set up photo perhaps to go along with this article? And that is, again, to say she's wanted attention for over a decade now. Yeah, exactly. She has said some pretty horrendously, horrendously offensive things. And we will put a content warning on here just before we mention some of them, because I do feel like it's important to give context on how egregious she is. Yes, but I don't want people to have to listen to them if, you know, it's going to personally affect them at all. I mean, in recent years, she's been known for saying that Islam disgusts her, that multiculturalism means we all die together. She said, would I employ you if you were obese? No, I wouldn't. She also has said that women don't want equal treatment. They couldn't handle it if they got it. She also in 2017 tweeted that there must be a final solution in ending terrorism following the Manchester terror attacks, giving the pretty clear impression to her followers that a final solution would be ethnic cleansing or genocide. Her weekly show after that was immediately cancelled. But this is not just somebody who says mildly problematic things to get some ratings. This is somebody with deeply, deeply dangerous views. Yeah. And there's a whole spectrum when it comes to Katie Hopkins being a pretty terrible person on a public stage. I mean, it ranges from saying that she wouldn't let her children play with lower class children with names like Chardonnay or Tyler all the way up to comparing migrants to cockroaches. So this is a woman who has continuously and furiously kicked down minorities as much as she possibly can. I mean, she's such a Machiavellian kind of character. She clearly has quite vile intentions with what she does and the messages she puts out. Yeah. So why in the world was she in Australia? So Channel 7 flew her in along with Caitlyn Jenner for Celebrity Big Brother. She was doing two weeks of quarantine and made headlines because she was being really disrespectful and deliberately flouting quarantine orders. Yeah, and before anything was really done about this and before she was deported back home, there was a lot of commentary on social media, particularly on Twitter, of people absolutely losing their minds. Rapper and social commentator Briggs, who was also known as Senator Briggs, tweeted, Katie Hopkins, fuck off, we're full. We've already got many capable racists with social media platforms. Weekly TV spots, radio and print. Don't come out here trying to take their jobs, mate. I mean, he's not (laughs) wrong. Thankfully, I guess it wasn't long before the situation sorted itself out. Her visa was cancelled and she was deported because she was joking on Instagram about elaborate plans to breach quarantine rules. I mean, Mm. in the Instagram video, she said she was trying to frighten security guards by answering her hotel door naked and maskless. Which is so crazy that governments and TV production companies and casting directors wanted to get this woman into our country in a time when Sydney is in lockdown, when actual Australians trying to get home are locked out of the country. Like, we want Katie Hopkins out of everyone to be here when we have turned our backs on so many Australian citizens desperate to get home. I think that's one of the many very offensive elements of this story, right? I think you have so many Australians who are separated from families, from friends, from loved ones, from partners, who have been separated for nearly a year and a half. And I don't think you can underestimate 
the impact that that kind of anxiety or that kind of separation and stress has on people. Mm. Like my best friend was very nearly locked out of Australia too when the caps were lowered. And a lot of us got very stressed very quickly because it was like she's given up her lease, she's given up her job. What happens if she gets stuck there? She was very lucky to get on a flight. But everybody has a story like that. So to have Katie Hopkins let in the country when so many very deserving citizens should be here themselves is really offensive. Yeah, so naturally lots of people are asking the question, what does all of this say? about Australia, but I think even a more specific question that we want to tackle today is what the hell does this say about Channel 7? Channel 7 is one of our most popular, if not the most popular television station in the country. It is massively, massively powerful in our media landscape, and it has continually exposed itself as having the most backward values and priorities in Australia as far as the media industry is concerned. I'm not saying that other channels or other networks are perfect. Sure, Channel 9, Channel 10, whatever, have work to do. Channel 7 is arguably the most dangerous and destructive when it comes to societal values. This is the same station that aired that awful segment on their breakfast show, Sunrise, where they argued that the stolen generations were done and necessary for, and I quote, the well-being of Indigenous children. It's the same network that in 2018 through their Sunday night program alleged police would not admit to an African gangs crisis in Australia due to political correctness. Big Brother is the same show that has a host in Sonia Kruger who has said that maybe it's time to stop Muslim immigration to the country to end terrorism. It's also the network that earlier this year gave Craig McLaughlin a primetime spotlight program to discuss and defend the number of sexual harassment and assault allegations against him. Last week, they were called out for their racist coverage of the English soccer team and the penalty shootout in the Euro Cup final. Like the rap sheet against Channel 7 is unrivaled. Well, that's just the beginning, right? Like that's just scratching the surface. It feels a little bit like Groundhog Day 2 for a reality program like this one. Like I feel like a a program like Big Brother using this cut and paste method to create entertainment that actively hurts people. And it's like they're trying to find their shock jock. And I have that in inverted commas. But in this case, Katie Hopkins presented as a bit more than just a shock jock. Like they design these shows so that people do say offensive things to generate publicity for the show in such a way where they can dust their hands of any real responsibility because the network themselves didn't say it. They can hide behind their contestant, even though they are time and time again going for these contestants because they know exactly what's going to happen. Yeah, I would also love to sit here and think, oh, well, the executives at Channel 7 and at Big Brother saw the light and decided, no, we're going to not bring this woman on the show. We're going to send her back home and deport her. That wasn't what happened. I think this theory from The Guardian's Amanda Mead and Sarah Martin is bang on. They wrote this. Seven has booked hundreds of millions of dollars of advertising and cannot afford for sponsors to pull out due to public pressure. Advertisement from Toyota, Woolworths, Optus and McDonald's lead the list of major sponsors, while Harvey Norman, Amy and HP are also signed on. Social media activists and the public have started to target advertisers. The only reason I think Channel 7 and Big Brother decided not to go with Katie Hopkins is because they realised it would hurt their pocket. Yeah, absolutely. I think they thought they realised it would be far too risky and too controversial. I mean, it's not just Channel 7 who are the problem here either. I think one thing that really annoyed me that I saw online this week is that Today Show were very quick to jump on the bandwagon arguing that she shouldn't be in the country or whatever. But interestingly, they are exactly the same kind of show that have given her a platform in the past. They have interviewed her about stuff like Harry and Meghan. And I'm just sitting there thinking, like, you can't give someone space to sprout their hateful opinions and then turn around and say she shouldn't be in the country at a time like this. Like, the reason she is here is because of programs like yours that gave her the platform. Yeah, absolutely. I do want to talk quickly about the different strategies from our major networks because I find this really interesting. The tune is very, very different over at Network 10, Network 7's rival. Last month, they launched this like get woke campaign to their advertisers. This was the quote their chief sales officer said at the presentation last month. We are acutely aware of our ability to influence culture, which raises a number of questions about our responsibility. How can we better promote and employ social justice, equality and inclusion? How can we represent all Australians and their stories? How can we raise the conversation, not lower the bar? Today, brands must reach the most progressive, switched on, socially active, 
fan-heavy audience. He added that brands need to start looking at their media partners and their television networks that they are buying advertising with and hold those networks to account. Like what are those networks standing for? And the whole aim of this Network 10 campaign was basically get woke or go broke. If you don't get with the times, you're going to fall behind very, very quickly. And again, like you can have a conversation about making this a capitalist venture, get woke or you're going to lose money. But I do agree with that to a certain extent that eventually Channel 7 will completely become irrelevant if it's not already irrelevant to our generation. And for a show like Big Brother that targets 18 to 34-year-olds, why would we watch this? Like I would hope that the average person would go like, fuck off. Like if you're not going to speak to me and if you're going to actively try and do damage, you're not going to get my viewership. Yeah, I agree with that. Even the thought exhausts me. It's like, why do I want to see people spreading hate on TV? Like that is not an enjoyable experience. I think you're right though. I think the network's do have to really kind of like shape up or ship out. But I think it's even interesting with Channel 10 because they have a lot of work to do themselves. Mm, They're not perfect either. I mean, it is especially hard because Channel 7 feels so amorphous, right? Like where do you lay the blame? Is it up top? Is it all over? Is it with the production companies they employ like Endemol Shine who make shows like Big Brother? Like it feels so entrenched in not just an entire company but an entire industry. So it's hard to know exactly where to say, okay, that's the bit that needs fixing. And so I think if all of that is hard to do, if it's hard for us to sit here and say, okay, well, it's all well and good for us to poke holes and and point out problems, but like where does change happen? I think it's about pleading with advertisers, right, Mm. to not side with programs and networks with a track record like this. I mean, it sounds incredibly clinical, but it feels like one of the only ways to go forward. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I think that's all we've got time for. I think so too. Guys, thank you so much for listening. We are sending all our love to anyone who is in any form of lockdown right now. Sending myself some love at the moment, (laughs) honest (laughs) just sending it around this room and everywhere else as well we are thinking of you it is a ridiculously tough time people are fucking tired so are we and uh, here's hoping it just gets a bit easier get the jab if you can for sure if you are sending some love back thank you for that (laughs) (laughs) you've centered yourself in every single part of this conversation so me subscribe to us on apple follow us on spotify follow us on instagram at shameless podcast come have a chat Come weigh in on your Safe Friday tomorrow. We can't wait to see you there. Annabelle Lee, anything to add? Um, Your fringe looks great, by the way. I would add, don't cut a lockdown fringe if you have naturally <laughs> really curly hair because I washed mine yesterday and it was like, poof. <laughs> so you You're go. welcome for the life advice. <laughs> you heard it here first. Thanks so much, guys. We'll be back in your ears on Monday. Bye. Oh, hi, it's Annabelle Lee and Louis Hansen here. We are your hosts of Everybody Has a Secret. Woo! Woo! We are here essentially just to let you know that we drop episodes every week. Now, every damn Friday morning, we are in your ears. That is so exciting. What a time <laughs> to be in your ear holes. So essentially, <laughs> each episode, we unpack the real life secrets of our listeners. So this is for everyone who loves, you know, just a little bit of gossip in mm-hmm. their lives, which let's be real, Annabelle, is all of us. It's absolutely all of us. Don't lie. You all love gossip. So if you want to listen to... To our show, please do head to your favorite podcast app and listen now. See you there. Bye.